When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, Purple Daily on Draft every Monday on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Miles Gorham, Tyler Fornis, Declan Goff here to break things down from a draft perspective. 52 weeks, once a once a week every year. Uh, once a, no, not once a week. Weekly podcast right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. And it's like 52 weeks out of the year, I guess. So I kind of said it right, but I butchered it too. That's okay. Doesn't matter because the Vikings are winning games. They're not butchering anything after we thought this season was going to go completely off the rails. It doesn't. Uh, the Vikings win again. They win their fifth straight game against the New Orleans Saints. And uh, I want to start here because Mackie dropped a great hot take on our hot take edition on Monday morning, fellas, that if a defensive coordinator or any coordinator could win NFL Coach of the Year, it actually should be Brian Flores for what he's been able to do with this defense. It's been phenomenal to watch. Um, and we've talked a lot about what they want to do here on the defensive edge kind of strategy because you have a lot of pending free agents. I mean, Daniil Hunter's having a great season, but you have to figure out a way to get him a new deal. Marcus Davenport can't stay on the field, and I don't know, I'm not really ready to commit to a guy who can't even stay on the field. And then guys like DJ Wanham, who's actually flashed and had pretty uh, pretty big success this year with Flores, also got to figure out what you want to do here. So, Forno, what, what should the Vikings do with a, a, a big hole at a very important position and should they be looking to kind of fill that need immediately in the draft? Do you want to keep these guys internal, at least one of them? What would you be looking to do in for the Vikings side so they can keep some of these edge rushers under contract uh, for future seasons? I think you have to start with Hunter. And he, he's he got a lot of down long term. Whatever that may look like, uh, he's going to want market value money. And how you determine what market value money is, I think, is very intriguing for the sole fact that he is 29 years old and he's going to be signing a third contract. Third contracts for edge rushers have not been very fruitful. The, the last couple uh, edge rushers that have signed that third contract, you had Von Miller. It was a six year, $120 million deal, but that essentially is a three year deal worth less than 60 and Chandler Jones before he was released after his uh, escapades on social media and dealing with his own issues, three years, 51. And then Zadarius Smith, he was dealing with some injury stuff with that back. He signed a three-year, $42 million deal. And we know how that looked like 
it wasn't a three or $42 million deal. It was essentially about two years, 20 million with a lot on the back end. And uh, is Hunter really going to be able to get that big boy contract uh, being, being that it is the third contract. He's about to enter his 10th season. So there's a lot of integral things that a front office is going to have to consider, even though he's 29 years old going into his 10th season. That's still a significant amount of wear and tear on a, on an NFL body, especially when you talk about playing in the trenches. I think that deal will probably end up around $22, $23 million a year. If I had to guess right now, before the season, I thought it would be 19 a year, three years, 57 with the majority of that guaranteed. But you can't discredit the fact that his first contract that he signed after his rookie deal was atrocious. Mm -hmm. And the Vikings ended up paying about 14% more of what that initial contract is worth because uh, sorry, $14 million more because of all the extra things that they added onto it. I think you have to try and resign him. I think you also need to try and resign Davenport. And it's, it's a tricky situation, as you mentioned, Declan, because he uh, did have, he's had injuries to both ankles. It wasn't an ankle injury. And then he re-injured the same one. He, Kevin O'Connell said today he had a tightrope surgery on that latest high ankle sprain, Ugh. which is about a four to six week recovery time. Brock Bowers for Georgia just returned after four weeks. So, it's something that you can see some progress, but it sounds like that they're not going to expect him to later in the year. It is worth noting. He did not say when Davenport had that surgery. So that part, we don't know that's in flux, but with those injuries, you could argue that, Hey, come back on a prove a year. We'll give you heavy incentives and keep that cap at low. Plus then you also keep the cap at lower because of what the dead cap is. And then you got to try and find guys in the draft. And if you don't go quarterback in the draft, you got to go edge early or defensive line. You have to get impact guys. And I'd argue defensive line is more important than edge for this defense because of uh, how you need to be able to man up and you need to be able to uh, open things up for the linebackers to penetrate, especially in the running game and how Brian Flores likes to blitz and Jerzon Newton. I think from Illinois, if he's available, I think you jump on him because you could use him like a Davenport, put him inside, put him outside, have his hand in there to have him stand up. He's a 310 pound guy who moves like a, a guy like Daniel Hunter, like a true edge. It's just nutty stuff. And I think you just have to focus on those positions and kind of see where to go from there. Everything has to be fluid. And once you kind of get into the weeds of the off season, have a plan, get Hunter and then build around that. I like it. Uh, I, I see on the, on the mock draft here too, that, uh, from the 33rd team, I should say. This is a mock draft that released yesterday. So the Vikings would go 21st. It actually would take Michael Penix Jr. in this mock. However, put a pin in that for now. The pick before it is Dallas Turner from Bama. Now, Dallas Turner, uh, I believe, was in some headlines over the weekend because people thought he was trying to take out Jaden Daniels. And also, another spoiler alert, we will talk about uh, Jaden Daniels later on in this podcast. But Dallas Turner, uh, does, would that do anything for you, Miles, as an outside linebacker edge guy that if... You know, the Vikings are flirting around that like 18 to 20 second spot. Is that a guy you'd like to see the Vikings take a chance on? Or would you rather probably look at something else that would be on the board? Yeah, I mean, obviously quarterbacks always for me right now is always going to be like the 1A. Like no matter what they do, I think that should be the like top priority. But of course, like a lot of things can change. A lot of things can happen. And if that doesn't happen, I have no issues with going edge rusher. They haven't taken a an interior lineman, an edge rusher, like a, a D lineman or an edge rusher in the first two rounds since uh, we've talked about this before, but it was like essentially uh, Sheree Floyd was the last yeah. interior D lineman, but edge rusher wise, basically it was Jared Allen. 
uh, when you sent the, the pick for him. Um, so basically, like, it, it'd be nice to kind of invest heavily in that position at some point. Like, I think with, I'm, I'm with you on Forno. Like, with Forno, I think we should definitely be trying to extend Daniel Hunter, especially if the idea is to move off Kirk Cousins. Um, we'll see, like, the rest of the season with Josh Dobbs. But I think, um, like, it just frees up even more money to, to make sure you solidify that, like, so those important positions on defense, like edge rusher with Hunter. You know, you need some interior D-line help as well. But I think going after a guy like Dallas Turner uh, would be a great fit if you can't uh, make a move at at quarterback or even like uh, we talked about, like interior line, uh, D-line with like Newton from from Illinois. Would you guys bring back DJ Wanham? Like he's having a really good season. Um, I know, Fona, you've been critical of him before. I think even... Yeah, we all have. Everyone has. <laughs> rightfully has. Not even yeah, just singling yeah. out Forno. Everyone's been a little critical of DJ Wanham and rightfully so. But he's having mm-hmm. a, a great year with Brian Flores. Forno, is that someone you could realistically bring back? Or do you even... Do you just kind of cut your losses there and try to just replace that position in-house with someone else? It's a complicated answer because what's the price? And I think that's what it boils down to. A guy like DJ Wanham with... You know what? He deserves a lot of credit. The last few weeks, he's put together some really nice games and he's put together some really nice wins. That sack on Derek Carr, he just straight up beat Andrus Pete. And that was a really, really impressive rep. And he's had a few of those. But with edge rusher being such a premium position and him hitting the free agent market, what's the price? And it's the same conversation we had, we've been having with KJ Osborne. The price is probably just too high to bring them back. And I think DJ Wanna might end up pricing himself out of Minnesota, not not because he's worth it, not because he's like it would be a good deal. You just have salary cap constraints. And I think Wanham just may end up becoming too expensive. People get overpaid on the market because like if all three of us are GMs, we all want one guy that his market value may be 15 million, but he gets 18 because we keep bidding against each other. Mm -hmm. And that's how guys like Christian Kirk get paid $18 million a year. Average annual value probably isn't worth that probably worth closer to 15, but he gets more because of the demand and at a premium position, Wanham could end up benefiting in his pocketbook because of that demand. And I just, I fear that the Vikings just may not be able to make it work. And even if you can make it work, is he going to be worth the money that you're going to have to pay him? And those are the conversations you have to have right now. Great deal. He's making less than $3 million a year on the salary cap. And, but if you have to pay him 10 or 12, are you going to get the requisite production you need to justify that contract? I don't have the answer for that, but I'd lean no, because what we've seen lately has been more of an outlier in terms of what Wanham has given us throughout the course of his career. But it's also fair to say, Hey, he's growing and it's okay that his best tape is, at the latter end of that run, it's just something you're going to have to parse out and figure out if you're the Minnesota Vikings. So also, Jaquay and Roy has mixed in a little bit here. Now, he's played some snaps yesterday, just eight defensive snaps. He plays special teams as well, but he played 12 against the Packers. He played 17 uh, against the Panthers when Davenport, uh, I believe, was mixing in there too. So I wonder if Jaquay and Roy is someone too that can maybe be that insurance policy, right? That like takes the next step. Um, and someone that maybe replaces him. I mean, Miles, have you? I know he's only played limited snaps, but have you liked what you've seen from him? He was a fifth round pick by the Vikings, obviously this past year. Uh, have you liked what you've seen from Jaquan Roy, six three and three hundred and five pounds too? By the way, yeah, I liked Roy coming out, and I know like a year before he was touted as like a going into like a going into the season last year, uh, the college season last year, he was touted as like a potential first round pick. Obviously, a lot of things change. Um, in that matter of time, and he became a fifth-round pick. But 
Um, I liked what I've seen. I liked him in training camp. I liked him in preseason. I think he's a guy that could mix in. Now he's not a he's an interior D lineman, so you know more think nose tackle, defensive end. You know, um, he's like that bigger that bigger type of body. But I think there's like you saw a move uh, last week against the Falcons where he uh, he beat I can't remember if it was the guard or the center to make a tackle for loss in the in a in the red zone. And I think those types of moves it was a nice swim move, uh, quick off the ball. And uh, got got in the backfield and made made a play. Like he's got some of that juice to him. It's just about consistency. I think it's just about and and maybe it's about gap gap integrity too. Like maybe why is he not seeing more snaps? But also you have guys like Bullard and um, Phillips who are playing well. So it's hard to kind of find find uh, time for these guys when you have other guys that are playing maybe above uh, where mm-hmm. they be. And a guy like Jonathan Bullard who's kind of stepped up even more this year than he did even last year. So. Um, hard to find snaps for, for young guys when the veterans are playing well. But um, I think Roy's one of those guys that could fill in a long-term for like a Jonathan Bullard, even a ma- potentially a Harrison Phillips, depending on what the plan is with him. Um, but yeah, I like what I've seen so far. Like it's a small sample size, but um, as a rookie, like you just want to see guys develop and, and kind of see how they progress consistently. And uh, I got no problem with like him maybe being in the plans to be like a rotational starter, spot starter, or even a, a guy that like takes takes on even a big a larger role if he continues to develop. How much of a badass has Josh Metellus been in this defense too? I mean, Brian <laughs> yeah. Flores just uses this dude all over the dang place. And he's rushing the quarterback. He's dropping back. He's making tackles. Like he's just doing everything. I mean, did, how come it took Brian Flores Forno to realize the Vikings basically had this like insane Swiss Army knife in their back pocket that could, they could deploy at all types of angles? it's a complicated answer because of what they wanted to play last year. Like you don't, you they didn't even let Harrison Smith do those kind of things. Harrison Smith was go play coverage and that's not utilizing him to the best of his abilities. Sometimes it just takes somebody who's willing to think more outside the box and do some of those unique things to put a guy in those positions. And like, even if you know he can do those things, if your defense doesn't allow for that, why are you going to let him do those things? Like, and I will say, like, Metellus, the lack of linebackers, I think, has really helped him be able to step into that role because the linebacker room as a whole isn't great. Like, you have uh, Jordan Hicks, who unfortunately developed compartment syndrome in his shin and is in the hospital right now. All the best wishes to him. And you have Ivan Pace Jr., who is a UDFA, and theoretically, a UDFA should not play, but he's played really good football. Mm-hmm. Brian Asamoah got hurt and has missed a significant portion of the season the last three weeks and hasn't gotten much run. And then Troy dies, just a special teams guy. So you just have a lack of depth there, but you have a bunch of safeties that are really good. So, okay, how can we maximize this? And you have a guy who's really smart, like Mantellus, who's a special teams maven and you make it work. And I think a creative mind is why you do that. And Mantellus, like if Harrison Smith is done after this year with the Minnesota Vikings, I think that leaves another really intriguing element because now you have Metellus who can kind of slide into that role. And with all these safeties playing well, like even if Lewis was practicing well, like are you going to put him in into the game over any of these guys? And this isn't a defense of the scene pick or anything. It's just reality. Mm -hmm. Even if scene was practicing well draft capital at a certain point just does not matter. If you're playing well, you're going to get to play. And this is a meritocracy and, Brian Flores has really treated it that way as you kind of watch the snap counts of this team and how guys have been performing. Like we have three really good safeties and arguably the best safety room in the national football league. 
And Metellus has been a really big part of that. And kudos to Flores for identifying that. And they got a hell of a deal. If he keeps playing like this, that contract's going to look real good in two years. <laughs> sure, too. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Fellas, you want to go to the offensive side of the ball here? I, I think we can uh, kind of get into this premature talker to a degree. So Josh Jobs is playing out of his mind. Two back-to-back games here where he's played really, really well. He obviously the bigger story coming off the bench two weeks ago against the Falcons, but then even balls out yesterday against a really good Saints defense. You know, I, I think people probably maybe didn't realize how good that Saints defense is, at least on paper. And Josh Dobbs puts up another absurd stat line, runs all over the pace. I know things in the second half got a little murky there, play calling and execution to a degree. But regardless, the dude is continuing to play well. What type of insane premature contract would you be looking Miles potentially give this guy? Like, are, Would you be willing to give him like Geno Smith type money where this guy comes off the street or comes out, comes out of the grave to a degree and then balls out with Seattle and gets a new deal? What type of like premature or even like incentive-laden contract would you be willing to maybe give Josh Dobbs uh, if the Vikings do want to re-sign him? I think, I mean, it's so early. So like the Geno one's obviously like premature in the sense that like Geno got like mid-level starter money mm-hmm. and with incentives to become closer to like the, you know, like Derek Carr type type deals. So I think I think it'd be too premature for that. But I think like you look at like a uh, Jordan Love, like what his extension was with the with the Packers, I think in that like fifteen, twenty million dollar per range. I mean, for a low end starter, I think it'd be right now kind of a fair deal for for Dobbs, who hasn't made a lot of money in his career and um he's kind of proven that he can potentially be uh like a, a spot starter, starter, like low end, you know, mid mid tier starter at a you know, to a degree. And so I think um again, I it's so hard to like think that far ahead with it being so premature but I think what he's shown is within the Kevin O'Connell offense is that you can you can functionally build a strong offense around him um, with the weapons you do have in the kind of system you have in place and I think Dobbs is the perfect type of like prototype of what I think they're, they might be looking for in the future quarterback a guy who's got a good arm you know nothing like create not not like an elite level um, talent uh, arm but I think he's also got a plus athleticism like he's a guy that we've seen escape outrun DBs. He's that, that touchdown. He beat Elante Taylor to the, to the edge. Like that's a, that's a, that's a, a DB. I mean, your quarterback can beat that, beat him to the edge for a touchdown. Like that's, that's not really like a, a normal thing. Most quarterbacks do like you, you see guys like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray do that type of stuff. So um, I'm not considering Dobbs that level, but like, he's a really good at plus athlete. And I think um, with that it allows you to be more multiple. And I think that's just been really impressive the last two weeks of what they've been able to do with his offense. And I think, I'm excited to see how they continue to build off it, but money-wise, I, yeah, man, I, I mean, it'd be like a short-term deal, like a two-year, you know, maybe we'll look at like a, you know, let's say $35 million type deal with like some incentives in there. I don't know. Like, it'd be really hard to kind of gauge what that looks like, but I think the one thing Dobbs has done is he's clearly shown that he's going to get a raise, and I think the Vikings did that with Case Keenum in 2017 where, you know, that guy kind of came out of nowhere and was making like $2 million dollars. And then all of a sudden he got like a, what, like three years, 60 million type deal or whatever it was with the Broncos. So like, 
like Dobbs is, is getting to the point where he's playing himself into a lot more money than anybody would have anticipated before the season. Forno, how, how much do you have to weigh turning in that glass slipper? Kind of like what the Vikings had to do with Case Keenum or Case Keenum really giving the glass slipper back to them with how he played. But how much do you have to weigh? Like, are you riding just a like summer fling here? Or is there a legit compatibility here where you can actually bring back Josh Dobbs under contract? I guess, what do you need to see for you to like really buy into the fact that the Vikings should extend Josh Dobbs and what type of money, what type of term would you be willing to give him? I'll be honest, I'm not willing to have the conversation right now because the, the data set is 1 million percent incomplete. We have essentially seven quarters of football in this offense where he's not even comfortable with his teammates. Look, the results so far have been really good, but we've also seen guys who have had like flashes in the pan and then get big contracts and do nothing. Scott Mitchell, the Detroit lions in the mid nineties, he replaces Dan Marino after Marino breaks his foot, plays really well, gets a massive contract with the lions and then stinks. Bobby Hoying with the uh, Eagles. He comes in as a third string guy comes uh, played at Ohio state plays really well for a few games, then gets traded to Arizona for a, a decent haul and completely stinks. These are the kind of things that you have to be cognizant of when you're talking about a guy like Josh Dobbs. And it's not to say he can or he can't or he won't. We just don't know. The data set is too incomplete, to, in my opinion, to be having the conversation. I think in about three, four weeks, we're going to have a better understanding of what Dobbs is in this offense, what he could potentially be long term. But then we also have to think of the Case Keenum thing, where Keenum led this team to 13 wins and a birth in the NFC championship game, including arguably the greatest moment in NFL history with the Minneapolis miracle. And then he goes to Denver and stinks. And he's been a journeyman backup again ever since. So we have to be cognizant of that. And we have to understand that this could be just a special time and it could be completely over because he was on five teams in 12 months. And is that a mistake? Or is that just reality? And that's what Josh Dobbs is when you project out his future. I'm I'm just not willing to have any kind of conversation about a contract until we have a more complete data set. And then once we do, I think it gets really interesting because you give him Geno Smith money because Geno Smith was viewed as a potential franchise quarterback. And then I can soccer punched him in the Jets locker room. Fitzpatrick takes over and Geno Smith kind of becomes a a vagabond for a little bit until he wins the Seattle job and takes over last season. So what is he? I have no clue. And I I don't think we, anybody can really speak to anything other than that because even in a great game yesterday, there were some issues, especially with ball placement. And we need to just give him time and really see what the complete picture is before we have real contract discussions. I do think real quick, I think one thing though with that is I think, if the Vikings were to bring uh, Josh Dobbs back, again, we won't know what the, that number would look like at this stage. But I think the one thing I can feel confident, in, at least right now, is that they still probably look to go get a, a young quarterback, like a rookie quarterback in the first round, potentially, maybe second, day two. But I think they'd still look to look to do that because I think the, the plan all along is to make sure that they're they're like setting up a young guy for success long term. Well, let's, let's go into this right now then. We may as well. Jaden Daniels. Falls out for LSU over the weekend. We've gotten a lot of feedback questions, by the way, uh, on this pod uh, asking about him. And he uh, even it looks like a cheat code out there. I mean, to a degree, a lot of Josh Dobb you know, traits. He can run around a little bit. He can throw the football around. Is there a world that you would appreciate Josh Dobbs as you know, kind of this stopgap 
filler man option and you draft Jaden Daniels. Like if would you sign up, I guess, Forno, for 2024 with Josh Dobbs as your starter and Jaden Daniels in the wings? Or would you rather take door B and whatever that is, you know, create your own mystery there? But would you would you roll the dice there with a Josh Dobbs, Jaden Daniels, and I'll include Jaron Hall type quarterback room for the Vikings in 2024? I'm not opposed to it. I'm I'm kind of like we talked about with Dobbs. I'm not really willing to commit to any singular thing right now. But the more I see of Jaden Daniels, I think I think I'm I'm gonna have to take a little bit of an L here because that his time at Arizona State stunk. And he showed he's always shown great flashes as a runner. And that's never been an issue. He's always been really good at that. And he's defaulted to that way too often. Last year, he showed a little bit more willingness to stand in the pocket and deliver the football down the field. And this year, look, he's taken a lot bigger steps than I was willing to give him credit for a few weeks ago. And I, I, I have to be willing to admit, admit that against my Florida Gators. He made them look like a JV team. And it's not like that Florida defense is void of talent. They have good talent on all three levels. They just stink on defense. They're, they're atrocious. They're like uh, the Vikings defense in 2013, the year before Zimmer, like they can't tackle worth anything. And Jaden Daniels cooked them, cooked them for, I think it was 364 yards passing 220 on the ground. And they gained over 700 yards uh, in a 52 35 win. It was, it was just brutal. And Daniels, has really shown a lot of growth. He was on pace to beat Alabama before Dallas Turner honestly cheap shotted him in the pocket and he suffered a concussion and was out for that game. Like when I look at all these things and how Daniels is now being kind of compared to Lamar Jackson as a runner, which I can completely see and his growth as a passer makes me wonder what in the world Herm Edwards was doing with him at Arizona state. If we're getting this kind of production under Brian Kelly, who's not exactly what you would call a great developer of quarterbacks in uh, death Valley. So I'd be comfortable with it, but I want, I want to be able to really dive into more of the all 22 before I give like my official stamp of approval, but he's better than I gave him credit for initially. And I'm willing to admit that. Yeah. He's been awesome, man. I mean, just dual threat option. Um, Throwing, throwing for a bunch of yards, running for a bunch of yards. Uh, I guess same kind of question to you, Miles. Would you sign up for a Josh Dobbs, Jaden Daniels type of quarterback situation for the Vikings? I guess Dobbs being the stopgap option and then maybe Jaden Daniels really being your franchise guy because it, it just looks like to me like Kevin O'Connell. I was just so perplexed when Judd was just like obsessing with this fact of like he wants a running quarterback. He wants a running quarterback. It's like, well, why? Well, geez, now in two <laughs> games. Okay, I understand what Judd was saying. Well, I think to to answer that last part about like the wanting the running quarterback aspect of things, I think the one thing we've seen with Dobbs is if if you're especially when your receivers get hurt, you know, you got KJ Osborne and JJ both hurt, both out, and you saw some of those guys kind of struggle to get some separation yesterday. Besides CJ Hawkinson, who went went rough shot, but um, like if guys struggle to get open or things just aren't hitting uh, good coverage, um, sometimes a rushing quarterback can kind of make themselves make things right um, when when the coverage is good. And that type of thing is something we didn't have with Kirk. And I, now that's not to say that like Dobbs is better than Kirk, those types of things. But what, what thing, one thing it does is it just allows you multiple um, ways out. And I think that's always a big, a big aspect of it is that you can't always do it with your arm. It's not always going to be there. Completions aren't always going to be there, but if you can create in multiple ways like that, like the way Dobbs can or Jane Daniels can as well, I think that just allows that much more. Now, I think the one thing that would scare you with a Jane Daniels is, is he the type of guy that's going to come in and only focus on the running? 
and because he, you know, he doesn't understand how to maneuver the pocket that well. Like those are the things you always need to like forget, figure out. But, but to your point with like developing behind a Josh Dobbs, I think Dobbs would be that perfect type of stopgap to like help train a young guy to like learn to read the pocket, learn to move in the pocket, read, read defense and understand that you have your athleticism, but it doesn't need to be like your crutch. It's your backup plan. It's not like not every play needs to be a, you know, eyes downfield. You see one read. And if you, if it's not there, you take off. Like those are the type of things that that can be tough with dual threat quarterbacks at times. But um, with a Josh Dobbs, I think he's kind of gives you that perfect blend. Um, and so for me, I think it's uh, I'd have no problem with it. It just would obviously depend on like where you plan to take a guy like Jade Daniels. Cause I think he's obviously made himself some money and made himself a, um, a better prospect than he was even a, a few weeks ago, month ago, you know, six months ago. So um, he's the type of guy that maybe he's just a late bloomer. And I think sometimes we, we don't let um, guys develop. I think him, Bo Nix, I think some of those guys, Jordan Travis, I think some of those guys, like some of these guys need time. And I think that's okay. I don't think it's like always needs to be a negative. Like Joe Burrow is a, a perfect example of a guy that like, yeah, I, I he would have been pr- probably pretty good at Ohio state, but he wasn't like the best quarterback. We didn't know a lot about him going into his last year at, LSU the year before he was kind of like a a pretty decent quarterback but he wasn't like someone you expected to be the first overall pick the following year a Heisman trophy winner so um not saying Jane Daniels is gonna win the Heisman but he's made a pretty good case for it um Mm -hmm. so I think it's just one of those situations that um like a Jane Daniels maybe just a late bloomer maybe maybe he just needed like consistency and reps uh, at LSU to kind of get him there and um a guy like Dobbs like I said before is just could be the perfect guy to kind of teach him that that dual blend ability. Yeah, it would be fascinating to watch like just the 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 phase from Josh Dobbs into a guy like Jaden Daniels, who obviously is still a little bit raw and whatnot and might need a little bit more time. You know, we're seeing CJ Stroud ball out. I mean, that dude might, I mean, he's going to win rookie of the year for sure, but he, hell, he might get MVP votes if he leads this Texans team to the playoffs. I mean, no one saw this coming uh, from him either. So I, I'm fascinated by it, what they, what they end up doing here, whether that's with keeping Josh Dobbs or that's, Resetting Kirk, whether that's drafting the franchise guy and plugging him in right away in 2024. I mean, you know, we were joking like three or four weeks ago going into the Niners game. They're like, all right, they're probably going to lose this game and all bets are off. And what do they do with the draft? And now here we are three weeks later and we have egg on our face, but we're also enjoying that egg on our face because this has been a blast to watch. So I find it, um, I find it super fascinating. Uh, boys, I want some analysis here on what the senior bowl is going to be ended up doing here. So I know you guys have gone down there numerous times to Mobile, Alabama to talk about the Senior Bowl uh, but or to cover it and whatnot. But now, uh, I believe, and I'm reading this from Adam Schefter, this was from last week, that the NFL sent a memo to all teams informing that all college juniors who declare for the draft will now be eligible to play in the Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl, or HBCU Legacy Bowl. Uh, last year, 69 juniors entered the draft but couldn't play in the All-Star game. So, Forno, like how how big of a deal is it that juniors can now participate? Is this is this good for the senior bowls? Is this good for draft like draft evaluations? I guess where do you kind of fall on this, and where would you, and how would you kind of educate our listeners who have kind of no idea what this is? I don't really know how it's going to turn out. Uh, they did move up draft declaration day um, almost a week to the 9th of January, and then at that point they can invite juniors to join the rosters. And the one really difficult part for uh, these all-star games is it's a year-round process. They are already sending out invites. You have uh, Kansas State's Cooper Beebe and Ben Sinat. They've already committed to the Senior Bowl that they will be there in Mobile at the end of January. But now 
they have no idea what juniors are going to declare because guys will start declaring already. Tyrese Chambers, wide receiver from Maryland, who's a really interesting speedster, already declared last week. And you're going to see a lot more of that after Thanksgiving because that's the last weekend of regular season college football. And then after all these bowl games, you're going to start seeing guys come um, declare for the draft. So at that point, then you need to decide, okay, are these guys actually going to be worth bringing to our all-star game based on what our board currently looks like? So it, it could end up a few different ways. One way I think it could end up is some guys who weren't necessarily sure if they were going to declare because they're like, okay, maybe I'm like a second or third round pick because the, uh, the committee that they um, ask for recommendations for for the draft gives out three grades. First round, second round, go back to school. And if a guy gets a second round grade, like, I don't know. Wait, I can go to the senior bowl and I can have a full week of practice against these guys and show my stuff. You know what? Maybe that's more appealing. Maybe I will declare. And it's not like the NBA where you can pull back. So I think that could be a factor. I think it could be an absolutely nothing burger. And it could be there were juniors really don't even compete at the all-star games. I think last year it was 69 juniors declared for the NFL draft. We're not exactly talking like an extremely high number. We're, it's relatively low. So I don't know how this is going to play out. And it honestly could mean absolutely nothing other than you get like maybe eight juniors to the senior bowl. Cause like the top guys, guys like Drake may, they're not going to mobile. They're just going to go to the combine. They mean they didn't even throw at the combine. It's the fringe guys that you need to worry about. And then how's this going to affect other players? How's this going to affect guys who are maybe seventh round UDFA grades who now don't get to go to mobile and show their stuff and could make themselves hundreds of thousands of dollars with a really good week of performance. It's a trickle down effect. I really don't know how it's going to play out, but you may see more talent at these games because the few juniors do get to go. And I think that could be a net positive for the entertainment value. But as far as a scouting perspective, you're going to get data on some of these guys, no matter what, it's just a, whatever medium you end up getting it. And I'm intrigued to see how it plays out. Miles, are you a fan of this? Do you like that the Femur Bowl and other stuff is getting more juniors into it? Um, are you against it? I guess I know you've been down there a few times. What have you liked when you have been down there? And do you think that this is a, a good thing for it going forward? Well, I think as a junior, like especially for these all-star teams, like the Senior Bowl, the um, uh, HBCU Bowl, and and then the uh, um, the Shrine Bowl, they're all, like, like Forno said, they're all doing their homework ahead of time because they know who the seniors are. When you don't know as as those um, uh, those all star games, like you don't know what junior is going to declare. Like you can do your homework. You're doing your homework on guys for the future, but like as you know, because it was for, it was only seniors for so long. Like it's really hard to know like who who you're going to send invites to. Like you might send an invite to a junior, but that guy might decide you know I'm not going to declare. Well, then you know like it, it's that's the tough situation. Is like a lot of these guys that do come out the juniors, um, it'll be last minute type of ones. And those are and those are probably the guys that are like day three, um, day three picks. Like I wouldn't expect like what what we've been saying like Drake May, like those guys, like the top tier. Most juniors or underclassmen that come out in the draft are usually ones that expect to be high round picks. And so like, why would you then go to an all star game in those in those scenarios? But on the other hand, there are some you know um, underclassmen that do declare because whether it's money, whether it's other situations that they're they're looking at of like why they need to go out. And, and go to the try to go to the NFL might lend them a, a better opportunity to go to an All Star game and maybe raise their their stock compared to where it might have been in the pre draft process when they get 
kind of their grades when they decide whether they want to uh, declare or not. Um, but yeah, I, I really don't, I like expanding the talent level. I think that's great, but I don't really see it being like a huge hindrance and because of when underclassmen have to declare. And then the fact that like, you don't know who's declaring and who's not. And it, and in the same, same vein, like I said, some guys like most underclassmen typically tend to be higher round picks. And at that case, like why decide to go to the, uh, the, the, any of these all-star games. So it's kind of like a, I wouldn't expect a lot of them, especially in this first year, I wouldn't expect a lot of uh, underclassmen to go to the, to go to these all-star games. And, but maybe as the season, as the, the um, years go by, they plan it out a little bit more and they can kind of make true decisions and have a little bit more of a, 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 a period of time where they can make those decisions from the all-star team standpoint and from the, um, the draft prospect standpoint. So right now I expect it to be like a very few um, underclassmen in each all-star game this year, at least. It also hurts that they can't even be invited till after January 9th. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a big thing for these right. program, like these all-star games. They need these rosters relatively finalized. They need the, yeah. the core guys and they have yeah. a max. It's not like, Hey, I, I can just bring in whoever I want. They have a set number that they're allowed to bring. And I think, I think that number's 108. I may be wrong, but if yeah, you have yeah. only 108 spots and by the time that time comes around, you have a hundred and hundred of them filled and you already have plans for the other eight spots. You're just waiting on commitments because the last week there's always a bunch of shuffling because guys drop right, out right. and guys don't accept those invites and they bring somebody else in. Like how many juniors are there going to be? And the fact that they dropped this on everybody in November screws the agents, screws the players, screws the all-star games. And it could be a a chaotic cluster when it comes to the beginning of this draft evaluation process at at these all-star games. And it it feels really poorly mismanaged by the NFL, but we know that they want the shrine game to be the Mm -hmm. premier game and not the senior bowl mainly because it's in mobile and mobile. If you've ever tried to get there, only four airports fly to Mobile, and it's a pain in the butt to get there. Pretty easy to get to Dallas, Texas. Yeah, well, and the tough part, too, is I think the the, the last part there is um, with these underclassmen, they're really, like, yeah, they're they're not in a good position to, like, like, the, the one thing the All-Star Games don't do is they don't guarantee you, like, oh, this will raise your draft stock X amount. Like, like senior, a lot of these senior bowl guys, the, the seniors, like, a lot of them are, are UDFA late round type guys and are just like trying to show that they can be that. Now these underclassmen, like where's a little bit more of that incentive for some of these guys as they do decide to come out. So like, cause there's no guarantees of anything. And that's the hard part for an underclassman is like, if I'm coming out and I'm getting like a second or a third round grade, how is this, is this, is this senior bowl or the, you know, the, the shrine really going to propel me to the first round? Like that's, or is it going to make it worse for me? Like, that's the tough part as an underclassman compared to a senior where, like, there's really not as much to lose, I don't think, as you are if you're an underclassman. Nice. Good stuff here, boys, on, uh, on Purple Daily on Draft. Uh, good, a lot of good stuff on the Vikings want to do on the defensive side. Jaden Daniels talk. A lot of good stuff here every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. You can hit that subscribe button for Daily Vikings Entertainment. For Miles Gorham, Tyler Fornis, I'm Declan Goff. We'll be back here again Monday afternoon next week to break things down again on Purple Daily on Draft. Uh, stay tuned for Before I Die too with Ross, Jesse, and Judd. This is Purple Daily where we just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die.